Welcome, welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Monday morning. And since it's Monday, you know it. It's that time of the week for a bit of chinwag with the one and the only Sadia Asmani. Sadia, how are you? Did you have a nice weekend? I had a lovely weekend. I was just kind of relaxing and reading and eating. (laughs) The usual thing. I was kind of avoiding going out too much, actually, because it was really quite hot. So hot. So hot. Oh, my goodness. It really was. So I think, you know, sitting indoors when it's cooler, I, I think... Yeah, I'm happy with that. Very, okay. very wise. Indeed. And just look out. That's it. So, but how then, are you? You had a good weekend. I did, um, but then the kids are all sick again. I feel like they've been either consistently sick for the past four weeks. I want to say, yeah. or they just keep catching something. I think this is. It's amazing oh. how many people I've talked to about the. You know, who've got children who are saying that. Oh, they're sick again. They're sick again. I think it's just this thing. Seriously, you know, this post-COVID thing that's happening where children are now, their immune systems are now coming back on track and they're picking up things. So I'm thinking back, when I was little, I don't remember being sick that often. No. Maybe a fever, like every... And the chicken pox. Things like major, major things that you get when you're growing up. But hopefully, you know, that will settle down in a while. But, you know, and... And I suppose the environment in Hong Kong, when you've got smaller, smaller houses and smaller things, and obviously kids are going, and then they give it to their siblings. So it's just yeah, maybe there are just too many children at home, just sort of one <laughs> on top of the other, and they just like to cuddle so much, and Aww. it's hard to separate them. Aww. Yeah, so one Aww. gets sick, then the others. Yeah. Well, Aww. that's a that's a good point that you've just mentioned there for me to move on to my subject. Um, I was talking actually, it was children. I was thinking of. Um, I I was sitting somewhere and I was watching some kids playing recently and uh, that's what triggered me to actually talk about this today and it was really about you know the development of human relationships in terms of one obviously the value which I'll talk about really about friendships things like that but I was just um, kind of intrigued to know that you know uh, and you've obviously got young children and stuff as to when we actually start to think about these relationships when we build them and stuff because you know um, so I thought what I do is is have a look at like you know from the age of zero like you know how this develops in children and then obviously what it means to us as we get old as we get older so supposedly from infancy from zero to two years at this stage obviously infants develop attachments to caregivers so and and you know obviously parents and these kind of early bonds kind of influence a person's ability to form secure and healthy relationships um, and you could see that obviously babies they haven't got foggiest about anything else it's just you and the mum that they're concerned about and whoever looks after them and then you know early childhood this is two to six this will probably cover your kids at the moment um, and it says as children grow and develop they begin to form um, friendships with their peers at this age friendships are based on proximity and shared activities and children tend to befriend those that they see regularly like classmates or neighbours and these early friendships help children develop social skills such as sharing cooperation and empathy can you see that like in between two and six because you your kids are between those ages aren't yeah they? that's right so they're all in, in the, either kindergarten and daycare and, and it's true they, they don't play so much um, especially when they're under three they sort of play in parallel mm-hmm. they don't really play together but yeah. they, they play next to each other yeah. and that proximity actually helps them realize oh okay I'm playing with my teddy bear there's somebody else playing with cars um, I want that car and then they'll try and snatch it but then they'll sort of understand you can't just snatch it there are rules and it uh, helps them sort of yeah build empathy or when somebody cries they'll offer their toys yeah that it's sort funny of thing. how yeah. you watch when you watch kids you can see them it's developing over 
over time. Yeah. And supposedly, like between six and 12 years, children's friendships become more complex and they're based on sort of shared interests and values and personalities. They also sort of begin to develop a sense of loyalty and trust in their friends and may have a small group of close friends. Um, and peer relationships become increasingly important. Children may experience social pr pressure to conform to group norms and expectations. So I suppose this is where the sort of the kind of focus comes in and they get a little bit maybe possessive about their friends and stuff. I can see that. I, I, I remember, you know, as a child, you know, you'd get a little bit jealous if your friend went off with somebody else or something and then you think, oh, she's my friend. She's not your best friend. She's my best friend. Exactly. Yeah. So, so children tend to do that stuff. Yeah. So that was like between six and 12 years. And then the adolescence comes in between 12 and 18. And I, and I look back and I just think, my goodness, that was the most difficult time, both for myself and I think of my children and, and what they went through. It's a time of significant change and development, both physically and emotionally. Friendships become even more important as adolescents seek support, understanding and validation from their peers. Um, adolescents may form larger social networks and experience their first romantic relationships and friendships can be more intense and emotionally charged and conflicts or disagreements can lead to significant distress. It can. can you identify with that? Absolutely. I remember I had a big falling out with my best friend when I was a teenager oh. and I was really distraught. But then I, I, it also allowed me to make new friends mm. and that I think that's necessary as well. And it gave me the confidence to not feel so attached to certain friendship groups and that was important as well. It's a really yeah. hard time actually because I think um, quite a few kids are changing schools and stuff at this time yeah. and I know I was talking to a 13, 13 14 year old recently and she was just saying oh I may be changing schools and I'm feeling really nervous about it because you know I'm quite shy and, I, and it's new people I don't know what they're going to think of me and I said you know what everyone's going to be in that same position. Mm. They're all going to be thinking exactly what you were thinking. Yeah. So you just need to befriend someone. They may not be the friends you're going to stick to for the, forever or anything like that, but they're the ones who are going to keep you grounded in the first few weeks at least, you know. Isn't it so funny? You, you mentioned that, you know, you're not going to be friends with them, you know, maybe forever and ever. It's only when I'm sort of nearing my 40s where I think, you know, definitely when you are in your 20s, everything is a priority. Everybody's a priority. You try to make room for all these new friends that you've just met, your existing friends. But then as you grow older, you realize there are certain priorities that you should really be making. Friends, you don't need to have a lot of, lot of friends, yeah. but you need to have a few good friends that you make the effort with. And those are your friends. And sometimes those friendship groups can change. Maybe you're not as in touch with your best friend from from your younger years um, and you have new friends. And that's OK yeah, as well. People yeah. do come and go in your lives Um Maybe not permanently, but you know, they're, depending on where we move in the world as well. So yeah. th there's that, and, yeah. and, and it's also, important to to be at peace with that. It's that kind of saying that you know, friends in need are friends indeed. In terms of, like, seriously, it, you may not have many friends, but as long as you have a few friends who are there in good times and bad times, exactly. Because if people run when it's when yeah. it's difficult, then you know that. <clears throat> hang on. 
Yeah, you want friends who will run through walls for you. Yeah, That's well, important. hopefully. Yeah. So then comes young adulthood. This is between 18 to 30. And here individuals often experience major transitions, such as starting a career, pursuing higher education, or forming a romantic partnership. Friendships may become more selective and are based on mutual support, shared goals, and similar values. And young adults may also begin to form lasting connections with co-workers or romantic partners, further expanding their social network. And I suppose that really brings it back down to this um, whole kind of technology thing today that, you know, we have so many Facebook friends, we have so many people who mm. we're, you know, keeping connections with. But even amidst all that sort of bombarding of friends, you just have to get a select few who you associate with because you can't. But, but the good thing is, is that we are able to keep those connections where you may have lost touch before. Yes. You can actually go back and find people and touch base again. Yeah, because, like, like old girlfriends and boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people find their partners again yeah. through Facebook. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow, no, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. There's a huge shift in the way that, you know, human relationships now, even children now, um, you know, once they're able to get on things like Facebook or, or whatever social, you know, network things that they're using, they they are using these to communicate. Yeah. You know, I wonder how much of the communication is, you know, the face to face is not so evident, but now certainly are texting and things like that. Um, and then finally, it's the adulthood thing where it's like 30 plus. And here it's like friendships may continue to evolve, you know. And again, it's like you may have um, friendships that have been there for a long time. I think one of the things I was looking at here was this whole thing about that good friendships play a pivotal role in not just your well-being, but also in your love life, mm. supposedly. Yeah. So um, so basically, the, re the three things that they say about this, they say that, um, they fulfill needs that a part partner cannot, yep. which obviously I think this is an important part of any kind of <laughs> marriage or relationship where there are certain things that you're not going to be talking to your like if you love jewellery or if you love clothes or you love eating or whatever, there are some things that your partner may not be able to fulfil and you can't expect them to fulfil those. So that's where, you know, you really do need a good friend who's going to be able to you're share these to interests. Share yes. and, and research explains that social relationship network and, you know, networking outside of a romantic one, like quality friendships, contribute to a higher life satisfaction and reduce stress. Um, they can also um, help you salvage your relationship, your friends. So where there is love, there is hurt. Having conflicts in a relationship is natural, but resolving them can be a challenge, especially when emotions run high. This isn't only possible without the support. Uh, it's not only possible without the support of your friends. So a study published in the Social, Psychological and Personality Science states that during rifts between couples where the relationship's foundation is threatened, individuals seek out friends, new or old, and family to feel more secure and connected. So they have a shoulder to cry on. Right. Which is, I think, everyone kind of understands that yeah. you go for somebody who you, you need to talk and you need to ring. And somebody. if you have an argument with your spouse or your partner, and you have a good friend who says, "Oh, you know, I think you were overreacting," yeah. and then you sort of think, "Oh, yeah, maybe I was overreacting," and then it sort of yeah, deescalates. Give me that girl's number, all right? Yeah. Just in case. All right. <laughs> okay. And then the last one is that they save you from yourself. Maintaining pre-existing relationships and hobbies is essential to keep that identity intact. Most 
importantly, research in health economics shows that frequent interactions with friends positively impact our health and help cut down on physically taxing habits like smoking or you know, obviously that's potentially sort of extending your lifespan. But friends help keep us accountable and prevent us from losing ourselves in the relationship bubble and allow us to maintain our individuality. That's exactly what you were just saying, that, you know, perhaps friends can see something from a different perspective. And then they kind of ground you a little bit and say, well, no, maybe you overreacted. And you can take it from a friend. If somebody else said that to you, if your husband or your your spouse said, I think you're overreacting. You would go crazy. (laughs) You know, so you just think, well, actually, you can take it from a friend. It's just like when you have children and you tell them, don't do this. Okay, it's not good for you. It's not going to help you. But when their friend tells them, then they come back and say, well, you know, my friend said I shouldn't really do this. And you think, yeah, right. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, There's a phrase in in, in Cantonese saying, and it literally means your parents give birth to you, but then your friends teach you. Um, yeah. And you know, and it, and to some extent, it's true. I mean, we think back to our lives. How how often do we want to be so different from our parents? Oh yeah, I don't want to be like my my mum. I don't want to be like my dad. We try so hard to be so different from them, and then um, and we we can't expect our kids to be like us. So we tell them exactly what to do. They won't. They're not going to listen to us because they want to be different. But if their friends tell them that, yeah. they will listen. It goes. Uh, it goes back to this thing of control again. That's another subject in terms of the amount of control as parents we have and we want on our children. Mm-hmm. That it's almost like things that we have experienced. We just think, no, um, this is the way I've done it. So therefore, I'm going to get my children to do it in the same way. And it's amazing how much um, of this is just passed on through generation to generation. And we don't actually question it. And it's really important to stop and yeah. think, look, was something that my parents were saying was it okay did I have to listen to that you know it depends I mean you keep your respect and I think it's about respect and obedience is a different thing this whole uh, subject of respect and obedience there's a fine line you know so I think that's something that we as parents certainly we need to keep in mind all the time and it's important to have good friendship groups as well I think sometimes they can help you do better whether it's at school or or in your life because they they keep you motivated I remember I had some you know very very good friends uh, during secondary school and they were very hardworking, and that sort of made me think oh gosh maybe I've got a you know yeah and and vice versa if you think about it because I do recall I do remember a story like you know when my kids were growing up and and there's some children who just were messing around too much and at one point I remember my son kind of um being with them and being friends and stuff and he got into trouble a couple of times like you know and they just and and the saying is is that like you know if you fly with crows you get shot down with the crows too Mm. so you know you really have to watch the company you keep I've seen a very capable young boy, you know, who was in my daughter's class when he was much younger, this is in the UK, who was incredibly talented, incredibly, like he was in the theatre group, he was amazingly articulate, very intelligent. And suddenly, I think he just ended up with the wrong batch of people. And, oh. and seriously, I, you know, it's so sad for me to say it, but his life just disintegrated just completely and and he just became a recluse he was ended up getting involved with drugs and things like that so you know it just it's such a it's such a kind of very um 
fine path, a, a, a very thin thing right. that you walk yeah. on, you know, especially at that age when children are very impressionable and stuff. So it's especially that adolescence age, I think, is the time where they just need so much support and you need to be vigilant because yeah. it's like tipping over one from one side to the other. It's such a hard sort of um, role for parents as well because y you you may not agree with some of their friends but then you can't actively say well don't hang out with that person because then yeah. you know what that that does they just yeah, want to hang no, out with their no, friends that's right it's it works a, in the reverse that's yeah, right yeah so it's really difficult how do you go about it how do you you know say yeah. don't hang out but and not actually say it. it's really yeah. difficult and it's just very slippery slope because you know if they suddenly decide that oh i'm going to do this or i'm going to try this then that we hope that it doesn't reach a stage where they think no no I want to do it again I want to do it again so it's like I think it's just always having um, that discussion with children from the very start exactly. from a very young age from a very young age so that they can trust you from the beginning yeah. because you can't impose that relationship with them suddenly you can't do it exactly you know where you've never talked to them before and then you suddenly say no and the thing is children get really fed up of the negativity all the time it's really important that when you um, tell your children something at the same time you're being positive as well you're yeah. saying oh you're so good at this and, and this because then they see the pos they see that you're balanced so yeah. when they do say look you know perhaps you should avoid this then they think okay fair enough like yeah. you know so I think it's it is really seriously when you think of those human relationships it is really going back to 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 square one yeah and, and the way you react to things as well because uh, Maxine spilt some I know juice on the floor and w one weekend I was just like oh I was like oh what have you done it's everywhere oh get something clean it up and she was a bit upset and so she did it again <laughs> I think it was last week and I was like oh don't worry these things happen let's get some tissue yeah and she was just I could see she was like, relieved. Oh, yeah, really relieved. Yeah. So yeah, it's like I suppose if you break something as a child, like you know, I, it's happened many a times when I was small, where a glass has fallen off the edge and then broken, and then you know your dad or your mum have said, "Oh, you weren't careful. Why? Why? What? Yeah. Why did you do that?" And it's easy to do that. You know, I'm and it's awful. It. And yeah. it's awful, isn't it? And then when the adult does it, yeah. nobody says anything. Yeah. And I and I remember saying that that. I broke it and you said that and yet when he did it why did you not tell him off like oh, you know that's interesting okay yeah because then the reason I thought about it is because then I spilt something and then Maxine was like it's okay these things right. happen yeah. yeah and I thought how nice it is that yeah. because you know she must have remembered I said well the, see this is yeah. the training that's where probably the training well, comes these from these things happen yeah so it's to treat, treat it kind of casually so then I think it's just that balance isn't it if you go crazy about everything that's going on then there's just no way of figuring out what is okay then what is not okay then exactly it's like if you bombard them with negativity all the time then they just everything is negative exactly because if your friends were to spill if your friend came over to your house and spilled some juice you're not gonna be oh gosh why have you spilled yeah, this yeah, you stupid yeah exactly <laughs> uh, you're gonna be like oh that's no worry yeah no worries i'll clean it up yeah and then kids <laughs> so are, why are we so mean to children it's amazing <laughs> that you you do think that actually kids don't pick up on these things oh they totally but do. <laughs> they pick up on it they're watching they're listening and their little minds are processing some of these things so our behavior in fact front of our children is paramount I mean I just uh, one last story actually is like um, I remember when I was about 
18 weeks pregnant or something and I was sitting in a doctor's surgery. This is in Wales, right? I was sitting in a doctor's surgery and there was a woman there with a child who must have been about a year old. So this child was speaking and she had a, she had a bag of crisps and, and um, this child was eating these crisps and suddenly she reached into the bag and she took one of them and suddenly this child just did an obscenity and said, you Oh. Whatever, right? And uh, and I was like shocked, thinking, "Oh my goodness, he just called his mother this." And then she just laughed and she said, "Oh, you know, he gets more like his father every day." And oh, and I just God. and I just looked at it and I thought, "Oh, oh my goodness!" Um, so you see, it's like when kids hear that and they know that that kind of language is okay and you can use it with your mum, then they're doing it. So yeah, he didn't, and I and yeah. I really was quite, I never forgot that yeah. because this child was very young, very small, you know, about, uh, about a year them, and a bit. they don't know the meaning of the word. Or, yeah. But you said you, yeah. <laughs> you just called her, oh, you know, female yeah. dog. Like, and, oh, and, uh, and I was just shocked. And But then, you know, that is the environment that if you are going to say things like that or behave in a certain way, these children, children are going to pick it up and then it will become just almost like a habit over time and they won't bat an eyelid exactly. and you won't bat an eyelid exactly because so. it becomes normalized wow very interesting indeed well Sadia thank you so much for your sharing today and I look forward to more chin wags and and I hope all our human connections flourish thank you so much Thanks. for your time